Will you stand with me for the reading of God's word? This is from the book of Habakkuk, the New Living Translation, chapter 1, 1 through 4. This is the message that the prophet Habakkuk received from the Lord in a vision. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Violence, I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see this sin and misery all around me? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed and useless, and there is no justice given in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, and justice is perverted with bribes and trickery. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, David. On your handout, if you'll take it out, what I would like you to do right now, uh, write one thing, just one thing at the top of your handout that is something that you are grateful for. Just go ahead, just take a moment and write one thing that you're grateful for at the top of your handout. And if you didn't get a handout, raise your hand and one of our connection team will bring one to you. Or if you didn't get a, oh, we need some handouts. Connection team, where are you? Oh, there they are. They're snapping into action. It's beautiful back there. It's almost like a football team. (laughs) Almost. (laughs) Great. Go ahead and just write something at the top there. So uh, as we get started, we're traveling back into one of those small yet powerful manuscripts of the Old Testament. Uh, As David just read, Habakkuk, or or whatever, however you want to say the name, we have multiple ways to do it. As we live out loving God and loving all people and following Jesus, uh, you know, what many of us have discovered is that uh, as you already have done, and I pray that you have done that, put something at the top of your handout, is that uh, you, you don't always have just a bucket full of gratitude, do you? Right? I mean, if we went around, the, the idea is if we went around and you put your gratitude in here, whatever that one thing is, probably some of you would be going, I can just think of one thing today that I'm grateful for because life, life has not given me what I've thought that it would be. It just, it just haven't. But some of you amongst us could, like, you just ask for one thing? Are you kidding me? I could just put a bucket full. But some of us, some of us could not because, well, life, again, is harder than we thought it was going to be. And all we can see is that. Our new series is called There's Hope. There's Hope. Today's message is this. This is the question and this is the title. Where are you? And the you is God. Where are you? Why are you not answering us? Habakkuk is a prophet, a minor prophet, by the way, uh, in the line of prophets, never got out of the minor leagues to major in the, to get into the majors, I guess, Uh, but he is a minor prophet, 
And he has much to say to us who find ourselves in this place of, in this month of gratefulness. Everybody's like, oh, I'm so grateful. And then you hear stories about how families are getting together and your family is not getting together. You're not going to have a turkey at your, or whatever you want, at your table. And there's, there's disappointments. But it's not just a one-time disappointment. There's things in our lives where we're waiting for fulfillment. Uh, Habakkuk lived 600 years prior to Jesus' birth. He lived 600 years prior to Jesus' birth. So let me just speak about what a prophet is. It's specifically someone who speaks generally on behalf of God, on behalf of God. But this, this, this individual, this prophet, this minor prophet was no ordinary prophet because he did not do that. In fact, he, 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 didn't speak to, he didn't speak to the people on behalf of God, but, but Habakkuk spoke, on behalf of, spoke to God on behalf of the people where they were at and what they were going through and what they didn't think God was doing. See, in this period of time, Judah had been blessed, but now there was corruption and there was deception instead of prospering. There was hurting and they were in poverty. And he just, Habakkuk, on behalf of the people, unleashes on God uh, what transpired about 2,600 years ago. And it's asking questions that maybe you have posed or you desire to pose to God, but you're just wondering, should I? Well, on this minor prophet's uh, way of doing things, you can. So we read in Habakkuk 1, verses 2 and 3, he says this, How long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. A cry out to you, violence. But you do not say, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? I was sitting with somebody just the other day, and they said, what do you think of the geopolitical stuff going on around the world? Like, so what are you referring to specifically? Because there are so many incidents around the world where violence continues to perpetuate violence. So even if you're not personally finding yourself in a place, we are globally finding ourselves in a place where we're constantly asking the question, Lord, are, are you going to do something? Are you going to change the situation? Are you going to hear our prayers? Why, Lord, do you allow this violence to continue? Put in that phrase, whatever pays for you. What is it that you are just continue to call out to him about? What is that violence that it is? I mean, you may just want to do it this way. Where, why don't you? Why don't you? Where are you? This is what we have to love about Habakkuk on our behalf if we seem a little timid about taking our complaints to God he does not relent he, he takes them I mean we have to love this 
He takes the, the burden of the rawness that he has for this nation right to the place, right to the only one who may have the answer, who does have the answer. God, sorry, doesn't may have the answer. He does have the answer. He takes the questions to the one. This is why it is so cool. This is why one has to love the word of God. And if you're not into the word of God, reading the word of God, you must because it, it, it just is part of the human nature. It's part of the human rawness it's part of the human passion it's all there and yet we don't allow ourselves to afford ourselves the direction and guidance that the word gives us so let me just encourage you by this one example this three chapter example of Habakkuk he he calls out and cries out in a way that many of us may relent from but need to you see Habakkuk lived into his name His name means to cling and contend. Cling and contend. That's what his name means. I mean, this manuscript is eerily too much like Job. And far from being like a TV show where we watch for 30 minutes or an hour and we have a conclusion, we have an end of our story. That's part of our problem, by the way. We watch all of this. We reinforce that there's there's an instant answer to our ever-longing, ever-long problem. Life is heavy enough. And then we, we have this Bible story that doesn't even have a resolve in it. We'll learn that. There's a resolve, but not the one that in which probably, I think, Habakkuk wanted, nor did the people want doesn't resolve in 30 minutes, nor does it resolve in an hour, nor does it resolve in two hours like some of our movies do. Oh, good ending. Maybe with a continuation, but there's, a, there's some kind of uh, resolution at the end, at least in some of the Marvel and DCs, and then you move on to another, you know, uh, movie. Right? 30 days, 30 years, 600 years right? Maybe not 600 years for us. But we lose our job. And we don't get a better one like everybody else's story. We don't get one. We don't find that. We, we, we have this good marriage and then all of a sudden there's this betrayal. And it doesn't take the biblical route of confession, forgiveness, and restoration where God is celebrated in the center of all of that, but there's a parting of ways. Sometimes people get sick, they get cancer, they, they fight it, they beat it, and then it only comes back to take them, right? I mean, the stories aren't all pretty. They aren't always with bow ties, In all of this, contending, you're trying, and maybe you have a different story, but you're trying to cling. In the midst of all that, that, that well-meaning, uh, in the midst of all that, there's a well-meaning person that just simply says, hey, just trust the Lord, just hang in there. God's in control. Let go and let God. Now, is their theology wrong? Absolutely not, but it comes at just the junction, just the place where our emotions are raw and we react. But it, and it leaves you in this place of being wrecked, not 
being whole. God doesn't feel good in those moments because this is really what's going on in our heads. God, you could do more. Why aren't you doing what I know you have done for others or that you could do because you are God? I don't understand. Habakkuk continues, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate the wrongdoings? Destruction and violence are before me. They are strife. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. So what are these issues that Habakkuk has with God? Again, he's not speaking to the people on behalf of God. In fact, he's going to God again on behalf of the people. He's got this issue with God that maybe some of you have, some of you are wrestling with. God, you, you don't really seem to care. I mean, are you serious? You're going to let this continue? Uh, God, you, you aren't doing much when you could because you are God, right? And what, and what you are doing, God, doesn't even seem fair. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever voiced that? I mean, the very fact that, God, you could do something differently. Ever? Anybody? I have. It's okay. You won't get struck down. He's okay with it. Yeah. The reality is that we have in various places and spaces, we're asked the same question. We have the same ponderings. And we wonder, is it okay to question God in this way? Is it okay to push back on him where you are in the moment? Is it unholy? Did you know that about a third of all the Psalms are a lament, just like the one we just read from Habakkuk, which his goes on for three chapters? This like, why, O oh Lord, do you let them triumph over us? Why are they continuing to hunt me down? Why do I feel so alone? In fact, entire books of the Bible, Lamentations and Ecclesiastes, Jeremiah and Job, express complete confusion on what appears to be unjust suffering for the righteous. Jesus, who is perfectly whole and holy. Scripture states that he became sin for us so that we could be found right in God's sight. He pulls back even at the end and says, why? Why have you forsaken me? If you're a follower of Jesus, at some point you've had some version of this story. You're hurting, or you're, you're, you are either hurting today or life is good, whichever it is, but you recognize there must be more to life than just going to church and sensing the Spirit of God touch you and a song, and someone prays for you and witness, and, and then all of a sudden uh, you are then tra you're changed, right? You have this experience with God that is grand, and then all of a sudden, you, 
you, in that process, you feel his love, his grace, and his mercy through all of this period of time, but then something transpires in all of that goodness. It could be six months in after you've accepted the Lord. It could be five years in after you've accepted the Lord, but you have something that just shakes you. Life begins to start to frame things that aren't so good in light of what you have come to say. And then you go to church and, <laughs> and you hear the sermon and it wasn't bad, but, you know, probably somebody else got more out of it than you did. You get in the car and the song that comes up is not one song that resonates with your heart to lift you out. It only to remind you of what the pain is that's going on. You used to be able to go to the mall because of God's favor on you. This is what you think or or is around you. You used to be able to go to the mall and find a, a great parking spot. Now you can't find any. I mean, it gets that crazy, that simplistic. Then you you pray a prayer and for something to happen, and it goes not the direction you prayed, but just the opposite direction. You pray for your grandma to live, and your grandma dies. Your boyfriend, who is supposedly be a Christian, cheats on you, walks away from you, leaves you alone. The, look, the person you looked up to or admire has, uh, does something that is, uh, well, disillusioning at very best. Or maybe the doctor gives you that news you didn't want to hear. Whatever it is, life happens. And at some point, many of us have this thing called a crisis of faith. Uh, God, you're, you're so good. Why am I here? Why am I in this spot? Why do I have to deal with this? Why does this have to be a part of my existence? Do you even care? There are two options that most people choose when they get into these places that are elongated over, are elongated. Uh, one is that some people, uh, and they do it all out of good intentions, they just deny the bad that's going on in their life. Everybody else can see their car wrecks around them, but they just kind of, oh, the Lord's good, and he's still good, and, and they, they, they deny it. They walk around it, not through it, from whence there's growth. And other people say, well, you know what? If that's the way God's going to be, I'm out. I'm out. I'm bailing. God must not be as big as he says he is, not, must not be as good as he says he is. So I'm out. Forget it. I tried the church thing. Uh, I, I tried the, all the things, and they're out. And there often are two different ways that people walk through these things in life. Then there's a third option, and that third option is is to be in the middle of the pain and to take Habakkuk's name and put it into practice to contend. They stay in it. They don't get it, and neither, neither do anybody else around them, but they continue. They're confused But as best they can and as best maybe you are in that spot right now, you continue to cling to the only thing you know is true. And some of you can answer when I ask this question, does life get better in that? No, not really, does it? In fact, it may even get more painful 
more acute because there are answers that you have that are going unanswered. And worse sometimes goes to even greater pain and worse situations. James's, uh, Jesus' brother James says this in James 1, 2, and 4, for those of those who know this and understand the idea of clinging through, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let per- perseverance finish, it work, finish its work so that you may, may be mature and complete, lacking, not lacking anything. You see, uh, f- for those of us who have journeyed a little bit and have a few of these in our lives, we understand the way to true intimacy is through fidelity with God. Uh, not only in the mountaintops, but in the valleys. Just as Psalm 23 says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Maybe you, like me, have had uh, things in your life that have disturbed and put you into a crisis of faith. This is just one of my stories of disillusionment. One of my places where I found myself kind of like wondering, really, does this work? Does, does faith work? Does it find its way to, through and to? Now, this is one when I was really young. I was in church. I, I was raised with the idea, like many of you, that marriage was lifelong that it was covenant-keeping, not optional. I mean, I, I had encountered divorce in my family, but those family members didn't know Jesus. Uh, they didn't claim to know Jesus, and so there was a complete, in my mind, even as somebody as young as five years, six years old, understood. I understood. They didn't understand what Jesus had called them to, and for them, it was easy to option out than stay in. But it wasn't until my mom and dad's, one of my mom and dad's friends began to splinter uh, the marriage he was in. It was very difficult for me to put it into a category. This, this individual had been a Sunday school superintendent, had been a good friend who had go out with my mom and dad and, and he and his wife and he would talk to me about Jesus and talk to me about staying close to Jesus and then talk to me about clinging to Jesus and all of these things. But he, he took another option. Instead of loving his wife of his youth, he chose another to love. At about eight or nine years old, I'm like, how does this work? It blew my mind that somebody would even want to do that. Despite many attempts on behalf of my mom and dad's crew, and I'm sure the pastor, which I, didn't, I wasn't privy to all that, I just knew it, I saw it, it happened before my very eyes, to get them to reconcile confession, repentance, and reconciliation It didn't happen. Even though this individual claimed Christ as their Savior through the whole crap. 
the flesh and the evil one collaborated once again to cause pain that continues to reverberate to this day. I mean, even though it's less and less, not to me necessarily, but I think about that family often and see, think about how that reverberates out. But I came away confused. Yet I'm grateful to my parents and their faithful friends who over the long haul of commitment to me, commitment to our church, commitment to demonstrating uh, what it meant to be, have a healthier view of spirituality, of God and his redemption and his plan to just continue to speak into me over a long haul. I remember my mom. Uh, I, there a couple of times we just stopped. We're pulling out, out of the driveway, and I would just ask straight-up questions. Why? I thought they were followers. I mean, I didn't ask it in this way. Why are they and she didn't have an answer either, per se. But this is just one of many, right, that put us in crisis, uh, places of crisis of faith where we have to then categorize of what God has said and what he said would come to fruition if we just, but doesn't. My faith in God is, is uh, my faith in God is here not because I, I stayed here, it's because I continued to contend and cling next to those who were contending and clinging to in the valley that they were going through. In a situation where we stay, when we stay, we find a new level of fidelity and a greater level of intimacy. It's not because we deny it, my friends. It's because we, because we walk through it. We continue to cling and he continues to answer our questions in his time, in his place. We'll see that. That's probably what's greater, greatest disturbing to us. There's somebody that needs to hear this. In this month of Thanksgiving where everybody's again celebrating, potentially, or it feels that way, probably more than anything, there are friends. There are you who are walking through crisis of faith, wondering why, why. And this is where Habakkuk is. God doesn't seem fair. He says, I don't understand. Guess what God, guess what God does in his response? Just guess what he does. He says this, look at the nations and watch. Be utterly amazed for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. And it's at this place where we pause and we go, oh, something's good about to happen. Right? Like never-ending goodness, right? So uh, can I just tell you, in my, uh, in my situation of house selling and buying, it's not been maybe all of your experience of house selling and buying. Our first house sold in one day. Anybody got that story? Yeah, a few of us. Uh, our second house sold in three days, and both of them in markets that most people would be going, oh, and you're wondering, did we have to relinquish any money or anything else? No, full price. I mean, that's the kind of goodness we're looking at when we go, oh, I bet there's good news coming. 
says, I am raising up the Babylonians. Uh, By the way, if you're wondering, those are bad people, really bad people. That ruthless and impetuous people who who swept across the whole earth to seize dwellings, not their own. They are feared and dreaded. They all come intent on violence. God says, you think what is going on is bad now? It's not going to get any better in this situation, Habakkuk. In order to bring about the kind of justice because of the sins that are, I have to do something that's incredibly difficult. So what do we do with this? What, what do we do with this when, when we find ourselves in a place where there doesn't seem to be a resolve we're looking for? Well, Habakkuk, by his own name and by what we're going to see and continue to follow through in the next couple of weeks, a, a follower of Jesus can, be, can, can contend with honest questions and cling to a living faith in God. We can do both, friends. We don't have to release one to have the other. But what Habakkuk tells us is that we can contend and cling at the same time. He says this, Lord, you, are you not from everlasting? I mean, this is why he, he's clinging. Are you not from everlasting, my God and my Holy One? You never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent about the wicked while the wicked swallow up those more than righteous than themselves. Uh, Habakkuk's response was, I love you, Lord. You're my rock. I'm clinging, but I'm not understanding. I mean, I'm contending and clinging, but I'm not all there. A.J. Sawoda, in his book, Beyond Doubt, he says, to struggle with one's faith faith is often the surest we have is often the surest we have one. So some of you are questioning, well, my faith is gone because I'm asking these questions. No, I would contend with not just AJ, but I would contend with others who have said through the ages, if you're wrestling through your faith, you have a faith. That God is bringing you through into a place that's far different than where you are and maybe a little painful and a little bit of waiting with it, but he will. It kind of reminds me of the time when Jesus asked his disciples if they too were going to step off from him because of his hard teachings. And Simon Peter says, just as Habakkuk says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. And Habakkuk is saying the exact same thing. He's like, Lord, you're God. Your covenant faithfulness is true, but where are you? Where are you? Henry Nouwen says this, getting answers to my questions is not the goal of the spiritual life. Living in the presence of God is the greater call. What if today you're wrestling, you honestly acknowledge your doubts, your questions, and by acknowledging them, it is your first step towards building a deeper faith, a, a deeper intimacy, a greater fidelity to who God is. What if clinging, 
clinging to your secret questions opens the door for a maturing knowledge of God's character. What if drawing closer to God, developing genuine intimacy and fidelity with him requires you to bear something that feels unbearable? To hear him through an ominous utterance, as Habakkuk did, yet to trust him in the moment of doom that was coming toward them. To embrace his, the, his strength when you're weak with a burden. What if it takes real pain to experience the deep abiding hope? Friends, we're called to cling and contend in our faith. Called to cling and contend to the one we know brings life and life abundantly. Let's pray. Father, I pray for those today who find themselves in chapter 1 of Habakkuk. I pray that they have the courage and feel the permission to contend while they, are, while they try to cling to you, Lord. Maybe there are those of you who have questions, you're wondering, you're hurting, and you would like prayer this morning. You're clinging, but it's just by the fingertips. If that's you, I want to do a couple of things. One, um, the community of faith, after we're kind of finalized our service, would love to pray over you and pray for you. Not because we have answers, but because we, we have the hope to pray with you. But right now, I'd like to pray for you if you are in that situation. God, I thank you that you have given us Habakkuk's manuscript, and it gives us permission to just sometimes tell you what we don't, what we don't like, what we don't understand, uh, areas we don't even maybe agree in at this moment. But God, somehow help us to cling to you, your character, your nature, to believe that you're good when even when life is not. I, I pray for someone who feels like they've tried it, tried you, and they want to walk away this morning. God, I pray that they wouldn't walk away. God, I, I pray that you would, you would cling to us as we attempt to cling to you in these moments, that you wouldn't allow our, drives, our, our doubts to drive a wedge between you and us. Enable us to allow our doubts to, to, be, to be a drive to you, not a way. Give us faith. Give us the courage not to pretend, but to be real, to be raw. Even while we're contending, help us to continue to cling. Sometimes people say, God will never let you experience more, experience more than you can handle. Friends, that's a misinterpretation of a verse that says, God will never let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. 
what you and I both have experienced that sometimes God will allow us to have more than we can handle because it teaches us to call on him and to be his. Some of you right now, even in this moment, like me, while I was in high school, the weight of my sin caught up with me. I I felt so guilty, so alone, so uh, far from God, dirty, vulnerable, bad, that I tried hard to be good, but I couldn't. Because no one can be good enough. God, that's God. He is good enough. He's good enough that he loved us to send his son, Jesus, who was perfect in every way, who was without sin to die in our place on a cross so that we could be forgiven. He was raised from the dead. And imagine this. He dies. It's dark. I mean, it's dark. And the next day he's dead. Where's God? I mean, it's, it's chapter one, two, or three. It's day one, two, or three. And the stolen is rolled away and he's not there. He's risen from the dead. Why? So that anyone, and this includes you, who have not said yes to Jesus yet in your life, It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how much you hurt. It doesn't matter how bad your life has been. Anyone who calls on the name of Jesus can be saved and forgiven. Not just saved from your sins, but saved for a life that matters. Some of you, you know it. You sense it. You're, You're not here by accident. You're here because God brought you here for this moment. You need Jesus, you need his grace, you need his love, and you need his salvation. If that is you this morning, if you have not said yes to Jesus and began to follow him, simply just pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy, grace, and love found in and through Jesus. Save me and forgive me for my sins. I give you my life and choose to follow love and live for you in Jesus' name. Father, we are so grateful for the truth that Scripture brings to us. The the truth of who you are, but then the truth of our humanity, our, our life, and our experience right there in print. So we thank you for this uh these pleas on be on 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 the behalf of Judah and Israel that Habakkuk had that echo ours. We come desperate for you. But we are grateful that you are the same God. Have always been the same God from beginning and to the end. Thank you for your faithfulness to us.